This podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Why the Ethereus Society, part three of this five-part series. Just to address one question, which, of course, well, the main question, which is why the Ethereus Society, which, in a sense, hasn't exclusively been answered. In Why was the Ethereus Society founded at all when we have so many other religious groups, churches, uh, metaphysical organizations that were in existence prior to, of course, 1955, when it was founded? And the answer to that, and it's a very simple answer, is the Cosmic Masters actually did make a survey of all existing religious groups, organizations, uh, the time upon the earth, and they felt that this cosmic message, which had to be given at this time, which, has, which had to come through uh, to mankind, they felt that there wasn't an organization at that time in existence that could, A, take these messages in the way that they were taken, and just as importantly, act upon them with the full intention that was required. Uh, if going back, of course, to the early missions, Operation Starlight, Operation Blue Water, taking the 12 blessings and the nine freedoms. It needed, number one, an individual and a supporting organization to commit itself to these teachings and these missions 100%. And the more that we get into tonight's class, the more apparent that is going to become because listening to one of Dr. King's outstanding lectures on this particular subject that we're covering tonight, uh, missions of cosmic masters who have gone into the lower astral realms of this earth on our behalf, he himself does say that there is not an audience anywhere in the world at this time that can properly uh, understand and necessarily believe some of these concepts. They are very, very deep. They are very profound. They go not just beyond this earth, but they go beyond this solar system. And his answer, again, much like Chrissy said right at the outset of this, ser- of this series when talking about Dr. King, we, Dr. King had, says that you would need to project to the Akashic records in order to be able to properly understand what these teachings are about. But, he's, but they're there. And... I think the, the, the testimony of Christy and I, both having been in the Ethereum Society, as, as well as many others, of course, for this length of time, uh, is in its own self a certain testimony to the, to the truth, to the veracity of these teachings, and most certainly of Dr. King himself. He was a very genuine uh, man. He was a very genuine master. And I just say that as, as, as something of a preface uh, to tonight's class, because as I say, we will be deep dealing with uh, some of the deepest, most metaphysical, occult facts that have ever been given to humanity at any time. 
And to that extent, I would I suggest that those of you who are encountering these teachings for the first time come with an open mind. Listen to these teachings with an open mind. Now, that having been said, just to again briefly recap on what we covered last week, you'll remember that we finished by discussing the great energies that were given to the Logos of Earth on July the 8th, 1964, in what we call the primary initiation of Earth. And the result of that, how everything is being quickened and how the Mother Earth could have released those energies in a very short space of time. I think somewhere, in, Dr. King says, in under 14 minutes, they could have been fully released. But instead, she has chosen to release these gradually. But it will bring about a certain quickening effect in just about every aspect of our lives. To that extent, I'd like to now read a transmission that was given by the Master Aetherius literally just a few weeks after the initiation of Earth had taken place. This transmission was given on August the 22nd, 1964, literally just five or six weeks after the initiation had taken place. And this short extract here. Today, now, your spiritual actions will be more fruitful than ever they have been before in your total history. Today, now, karma will be balanced quicker than ever before in your total history. Whether that karma applies to you as an individual, as a member of a race, a country, or the whole mass of humanity, this will be so. Therefore, because this is so, it is only logical to conclude that never before was spiritual action as essential as it is now. It must also be remembered, dear friends, that as well as the conditions I have spoken of since the initiation of earth has taken place, great changes are being brought about within the planet itself. These changes will manifest as quickened vibration of all matter upon the planet. Change will be quicker than it was before. The weather will change in a more dramatic manner than it has ever done before. The seas will change. Gradually, the whole seasons will begin to change until they do not have the division that they have now. This latter change will be a gradual one. To the more basic person, this will mean a change in emotions from peaceful to violent ones very quickly. To the more spiritually minded person, this will mean a change from the depths of despair to the mountains of joy. All spiritually minded people upon terror reach the depths of despair. If they do not, then they are not doing very much good. This is a direct reaction of the initiation of Earth, which took place on, I believe you call the date, July the 8th, 1964. And I'm sure that you can recognize some of the statements that were made in that transmission. Certainly, of course, 
a quickening vibration that's taking place. Many people comment on how just everything is speeding up. They have no time. Seen before, we had far more time than we have now. And it, it, to that extent, it seems how quickly time itself is passing. Of course, another change, this, this was, as I say, was given in 1964. The master theorist is talking about changes in the weather. And this is now perhaps more dramatic on Earth than it ever has been. We're all experiencing it wherever we are on Earth. Whichever country, whichever part of the world we live in, we're finding changes in the weather. Way before people were talking about global warming, the master theorist made this prediction. In fact, just researching this a little bit, and if anybody wants to do, a, obviously, an Internet search, there is an abundance of information about global weather changes that, are take, that have taken place in the, in the last 30, 40 years. And I don't want to go into it too much because it's not the main subject that we'll be covering tonight. But to give a little sense of understanding, the global cost of natural disasters, which is in a way is a measure of recognizing how, they have, how they've increased over, over, over the last 30, 40 years, 50 years, they have increased between the 1950s and the 1990s by 15-fold. And in fact, f figures I have here, in the 1950s, on average, about $5 billion were spent uh, per year during that decade. Then in the 60s, that doubled to between five and almost doubled to between five and ten billion dollars. In the 70s, it went up to ten to fifteen billion dollars. In the 80s, 25 billion dollars. These are averages. And in the 1990s, between 60 and 70 billion dollars. And it, obviously in 2000, well, we've already had the terrible tsunami in Southeast Asia. And of course, the Hurricane Katrina here in the United States, which alone is estimated to have cost $200 billion. So even as we speak, they've had the worst floods in Britain in the last 60 years. Last month or in the recent months, they've had the same in another part of, of it, England, terrible flooding. While in other parts of Europe, they have 110 degrees, 40 degrees uh, centigrade at this time and the worst forest fires they've ever had. And this has been a recent trend. And as I say, you don't really need me to go into all of this because it's in the news every day. So that was just some of the changes that were predicted back in the 1960s by the master theorists following this, this initiation of Earth, this great change, not just for humanity and every, for all matter upon the Earth, but a great change for the Earth herself. Now, later in that same transmission, entitled Join Your Ship, the Master Ethereus gave another extract which we'd like to play for you, although I'm just going to, on that note, hand over to Chrissy, who is going to cover some of these particular changes. I don't know, Chrissy, if you'd like to have play this transmission first and then go into the missions of the adepts. Oh, yeah, I think we'll play the transmission extract first. Fine, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mark, please. In the quickening vibrations of terror itself, 
this will activate more than ever the lower realms. Some of you call them the hells. And as a result of this, emergency after emergency will arise in the political fields of the world. It's rather like taking a bright naked flame into the dark hilled of a ship. What happens? The rats move. And they move with determination. And they leave the dark hilled of the ship, run upon deck, and try to reach the land to ravage in new fields. This will happen. The dark forces will become more active than ever before. And in the name of God, that's saying something. I am afraid very little intervention can be given in this way to help you in this respect. Because your karma is such that what little intervention may be given has to be given in the ways that we see fit to save you from obliteration. Master Etherius puts it so well there. He talks briefly about the intervention and what is meant by that. Well, we call it divine intervention. It's the help that the great ones are allowed to give us, as the Master Etherius says, according to our karmic pattern. And the great ones have always helped us, mankind. Fortunately, over the centuries, they have kept an eye on us, and great teachers have come to this earth and helped us and introduced new teachings into our civilizations and so on. But still, they're only allowed to do as much as they can within the great law because they obey, unlike us, they obey the great law of karma. So the great ones, they saw that this was coming and they looked into time and they negotiated together and they approached, we are told from our teachings, three great cosmic adepts. And these adepts were highly trained over many lifetimes, skilled uh, in many, many fields of endeavor. And with the great compassion that these tremendous masters, these cosmic masters had, they agreed that they would come to earth and fight some of the worst battles that we had ever faced. That Without them, we would have been lost, basically. So these three adepts, highly trained in the occult arts, were reborn into the life cycle of humanity as babies and grew into manhood, and they fought our battles for us. Now, the missions that Paul and I are going to talk about tonight, I have to say, first of all, they're highly classified missions. These are, are secret missions. And thanks to the abilities of Dr. George King, he took the actual 
messages, the transmissions of these missions as they were going on. And in the Aetherius Society, we do have complete records of these uh, very secret missions. Now, Paul and I are not obviously then not going to talk about them in detail. We're not allowed to. But we will give you an overview. We will tell you what has been published about them. They are available at certain times to member initiates of the Aetherius Society. But for the most part, they remain secret because if you hear them, you can see why. But we, as I say, we will give an overview. So these, these greater depths were, re, were born into limitation of terrestrial bodies. These were great masters with unlimited powers, but because of our karma, they had to take on the limitation of physical bodies to perform this. And the missions were performed in the lower astral realms. You know, we have this physical realm. Beneath this, we have lower astral realms, and above it, we have the higher mental realms. So this realm, this physical realm, is uh, level one. But beneath that are places that uh, we don't want to go, the hells, if you like. And uh, this is where people who have uh, murdered uh, drug addicts uh, and so forth, they inhabit these realms when they pass on. And this is where the action took place. Not a nice place. Don't forget, these highly trained adepts were also, because they were so advanced over many, many lifetimes, highly, highly sensitive. And the actions um, not only took place in the lower astral realms, but had to take place, unlike the battles on this physical plane, had to take place strictly within the confines of the law of karma. I will just throw in here that in the Aetherius Society, we do not condone war. Just like um, Christianity, thou shalt not kill. Uh, the law of karma is action and reaction is opposite and equal. If you, if you kill someone, you will be killed according to the law of karma. And uh, we certainly are here for peace and enlightenment, and we are very much against war. But the adepts were agents of karma. They were wor working completely within the law of karma and directly under karmic authority. When we make war on this physical plane, what we're doing is we're feeding the lower astral realms even more. But when the adepts came, they were here to clear up our mess, the mess we'd created. So there's absolutely no comparison when we talk about these battles. There's absolutely no comparison with the kind of battles that we, mankind, are waging. I just want to make that clear. So the first battle that had to be waged was, I mean, just suspend your judgment for the moment, because this one is fantastic. They say there's nothing uh, more strange than truth. Um, this one was known as the Alien Mission, and it began on May the 30th in 1965. So, you know, the light was shone July the 8th, 1964, and the bats, or the rats, as the master theorists referred to them, began to wake up at this great light. And on the lower astral realms, there was an android, a non-human android, which had been put there many, many centuries beforehand by intelligences outside this galaxy. Now, this sounds like science fiction, but it's true. Why? Why would they do that to us? on this little planet, Earth, when mainly because this Earth, from a strategic point of view, is in a very, very significant position for strikes, not only to this other planets in this solar system, but beyond 
into other parts of the galaxy. So it's very, very strategic position, this Earth. So don't be led away with the idea that people outside this solar system are, are wonderful, um, saintly beings, uh, just like on this planet we have you know, different types of people with different motivations. So throughout the galaxies, people, uh, non-human and human beings are learning and evolving and going back to God through experience. So these individuals put this alien android here on the lower astral realms and programmed it so that when it woke from its dormancy, it would take over all life on this physical plane with the ultimate aim of taking control of Earth as a strategic base. That was the purpose of this mission. So how do you combat that? I mean, this is a very, very skilled android. I'll give, just give you an example of some of its abilities. Any weapon used against it, it was able to absorb the energy and, ref and send it back. Another thing, it was able to hold into being a thought form 48 square miles, we're told, in size. And it was able to hold this thought form, also able to absorb any energy sent against it. So thought, thought is, a, is a real thing. You know, thoughts are things. And uh, thoughts, of course, can be used for good. When we send healing, we can create a thought form and send it to bring healing. But also, uh, our thoughts can be used for bad. And most people have a kind of a gray magic and their thoughts are sometimes good and sometimes bad but these this great magician if you like this great android was able to create this tremendously strong thought form and hold it there and so you had these three adepts i mean star wars is nothing in comparison to this three adepts against this great might and they knew that if they couldn't succeed and it's not guaranteed that they do then we would be lost, you know. So this, was, this, is why they, this is why they volunteered to come to Earth. They were approached by the Great Ones, and they offered to come here and be born in this tremendous limitation. And their compassion is almost beyond belief, really. And they, they took on this challenge, the alien mission, and they were able in just eight months to defeat this. And as I say, that the whole mission itself is secret, so we can't go into details. But I will just say a few things that have been published that they were working, working in conjunction, certainly after phase nine, with the spiritual hierarchy of this earth. And the alien was evicted out of this solar system. And after that, um, they were ordered to rest for 60 days by the great ones uh, you have to realize that this was a very very dangerous mission and it wasn't just dangerous for the adepts but also for the the person who was taking the actual transmissions as they were taking place of these phases which was dr george king they were very very dangerous for his body and for his consciousness during every single phase a tremendous strain exerted on him so this is a brief outline of the alien mission. And we're now going to play an extract from a cosmic plan about this. Now, the initiation of Earth precipitated many things. 
things had come up to a great climax. These tremendous powers were put into the earth to be held in the earth until she is told by the lords of karma to use them and then, then she will have to do. And when she's told to use them, they, all material on earth will vibrate in a different way and she will rise in the heavens. I'm not going to say she'll move her physical position in the solar system, but I will say that all matter will become different. And only those people, only those people capable of withstanding these higher vibrations can possibly inhabit this earth. The rest will be reborn on another planet. Uh, the initiation of earth is great crossroads in man's history as well as the history of this planet have precipitated many things. In 1965, on May the 12th, sometime at night, the three adepts made a visit to the lower astral worlds. Nothing new in this because they'd been there quite a few times before this. One adept, adept number three, uh, this is the only name that may be given of the individual, went into a certain part of the lower astral realms in order to do what appeared to, be, to him to be a very routine kind of a job. It seems that uh, the woman who uh, was born on earth and known as Cleopatra, a very evil person of course, uh, had been in the lower astral realms since she died, which is not surprising. And uh, uh, strangely enough, she had become a kind of a sex slave, which isn't surprising, uh, uh, considering that she enslaved thousands herself for her own ends uh, when she was alive on earth. You know, the, the teaching fits the, the lesson to be taught. Uh, it's like you can guarantee, absolutely guarantee, that a very rich man will be born a very poor man in the next life, unless he's used his riches correctly, mind you, then he, he may not. But if he has not, and, and gained them in selfish ways and used them for selfish purposes, you can guarantee he will be a poor man in the next life. After all, you know, the law of karma is very exact. Well, Cleopatra was caught, but karmically she was held in a position where she could not get out of it. There was, there was a certain, certain attraction uh, that this woman uh, exerted, uh, but it only went so far, and there was a certain power that highly elevated black magician had over her. So it was a routine job of release, and in this routine job of release, Adept number three went through all the, all the usual uh, down-to-earth procedures and he had to 
uh, go into an arena and in single combat with a great brutish type of mutant, a very rare type of individual. This thing was, I would say, half animal, half human, or half humanoid. And the law of the combat was that the challenger had the first blow with whatever weapon he chose. I think, uh, of course, adept number three chose bare fists. And here he is, a man, just like any of you here. No, not just like any of you, it's very different. <laughs> but anyway, flesh and blood, he's out of the physical body, but he still has auric bones and auric flesh and auric blood, you know. And he's walking over there to this great big brutish individual because he recognized the whole thing as a trap. Uh, the whole adepts did, and they're not to be caught easily with a trap like that. However, the time had come for the release of this energy called Cleopatra. She had to be released from that realm to a basic realm so she could be reborn again and work her way up again, not to a queen uh, in her position, I hope, next time. I hope she's learned a, a, a lesson. Uh, that gives some of these mediums a shock, won't, won't it? Who uh, give you your last life and say you're Cleopatra? If they do, I'd belt them right in the eye, you know. <laughs> if you knew about the, the good lady what I do, you would hit them in the eye. Because she wasn't a very nice person, believe you me. A black magician herself, when she was on earth, she was now became the slave of a black magician. However, the time had come for her release. So they go, and they go through the motions. The idea of going through the motions, instead of just materializing, grabbing her, transmuting her, the idea of going through the motions is one of essential teaching. Well, there you are, and number three met this, this great big brutish thing in the arena, and he's given the first blow, and he pulls his right arm back like that, and he, at the same time he moves his left fist, and he hit the thing, broke its neck, and fractured its spine. And his fist probably moved a few inches, according to the detailed report we have from Aetherius. Here we have the strongest man who has ever been on earth at any single time. At any single time. Stronger than your, your, your babbages, your, your, stronger than your great masters. The strongest individual, probably one of those ever known. And he completely released it from the physical body, and of course the, the animal part went on, and the human part went on, out of its prison. Cleopatra was transmuted. Uh, there was a, a little battle ensued, of course, but that was put right. Uh, that, that was the thing, and it all start, it started off just like that, just a, a, just a routine, uh, all, uh, a very routine mission for, for the adepts. And these are the, this is a type of routine mission that they've been having uh, for some time, uh, or just a routine mission. The end of the transmission... Master Theory said something which was absolutely horrifying. 
He gave a description of another entity coldly watching this procedure. And he, he said that he just hovered over the mountains and just watched, and then it went away into the night. And uh, Monique, when she heard that, she said, you know, I felt cold all over. My God, what is that? And that's all it was about, two or three sentences, just that. It's on one of those tapes. This is the cosmic plan too, you know. In fact, without that part of it, you wouldn't know any of this. You die in ignorance, which is a bad thing. This observer uh, proved to be a tremendous power. A tremendous power in the hells. And it was through this power that something worse was discovered in the lower astral realms. That was an alien, alien intelligence which had been there for thousands of years, which was just coming out of a state of dormancy. Uh, it was an android which made it all the more powerful and it was just moving from its state of dormancy. Obviously moved by the initiating energies that were put in on July the 8th. Obviously moved by that. Could detect these energies, could feel them, knew that this was the time it had to make its move for the conquest of Earth. And it did make its move, and its moves were appallingly bad. As uh, Chrissy mentioned, that, that was the first, shall we say, phase of the alien mission which took place on May the 30th, 1965. The alien mission ran to 27 phases and was completed or ended on January the 22nd, 1966. So whatever that is, eight, eight, eight nine months. That having been said, the alien itself was unkillable and it was ejected not just from this solar, not just from this earth or this solar system it was ejected from this galaxy on october the 26th 1965 under the strategy of the adepts but with assistance from other intelligences other advanced masters uh, it, because the the alien as chrissy mentioned wasn't just a, a threat to this earth but to all life within this solar system and beyond. It was from an alien galaxy, and it was here to literally wage war against this galaxy. Now, it, it obviously does sound extremely hard to uh, accept these issues face value. The alien mission, as I say, which was 27 phases, was recorded as it took place in those 27 phases in a blow, literally a blow-by-blow blow account uh, given by the Master Aetherius. 
who observed this and gave the transmissions through Dr. King while he was in what we call this positive yogic somatic trance. And these, of course, were recorded, all of these phases, all of the cosmic transmissions, of which there are over 600, naturally were recorded for posterity for their tremendous occult value, spiritual value, truth to mankind. Truth that at this stage we're not really ready for. But as we evolve, as we continue to inhabit this earth, we will begin to understand far more deeply what actually took place in this alien mission. Now, the, the alien mission, these, these, these transmissions, have actually been played, as Chrissy mentioned, to member initiates of the Ethereum Society. They've only been played twice. As mentioned, the mission took place between 1965 and 1966. And they weren't played the first, until the first time in 1989. They were, they were so classified that it took that long for them to even be played for the first time. And they were played again, I think, in 2004. So they've only been played twice. But having had the wonderful opportunity and privilege to hear these transmissions, as, of course, uh, has Chrissy, hearing them, all I can say is one can't make this kind of stuff up. It's all happening too fast. It's beyond the ability of any individual to dream it up on the spot. And it comes through as this incredible commentary and very real live action of what is taking place, as Chrissy says, on the lower astral realm, what took place on the lower astral realms. Uh, again, from last week, our master, Dr. George King, said that wherever you have great good, you can also have great bad. And the, tr the initiation of Earth was the greatest thing that's happened to this planet, but it did trigger at the same time great bad in the alien mission. But it was, it was expelled. The adepts were successful. Which leads on to the next aspect of our lecture this evening. However difficult it is for us to understand the alien mission and these concepts, if, if, as I say, you can suspend any, your disbelief and, and go with this, recognizing that this was something that threatened our whole galaxy. And again, just I don't want to sort of labor the point, but remember from the first class, just take a grain of sand, hold it in the sky, and what is obscured are 1,500 galaxies. We are literally like, as I said, the spider in the room that's got no concept of what is beyond just this one room, let alone the, the garden, the offices, the street, etc., etc., etc. We are incredibly small. And these teachings, the more that we are able to look, examine them and study them, the more expansive our minds will become. Anyway, this was something, as far as we're concerned, that was very real to this entire galaxy. And as such, it was observed by all other, or, or, all other advanced life within this galaxy. This, this, this alien mission and the, the actions of the adepts, was observed. And it was observed by one particular planetary race 
from a system known as Gotha that is 35,000 light years from this Earth. A light year being the amount of time it takes light to travel in one year. So you can imagine the distance here. The, the, the system of Gotha is towards the center of our galaxy, again, just to give a wonderful uh, illustration of how vast just our one galaxy is and how advanced these masters are. Uh, anyway, certain masters from the system of Gotha observed this action. And what is relevant to all of this is the fact that the system of Gotha was under the same kind of siege from alien intelligences. And I, I, I have to recommend, in particular, one lecture given by Dr. King in 1966 or so called A Physical Contact with, with a Master from Gotha because he gives a wonderful explanation in this lecture of how advanced these masters on Gotha were in a spiritual sense. They were very, very spiritually advanced. But their attitude was one of absolute peacefulness. It was their belief that this alien intelligence, very evil, evil in a way that we cannot comprehend, something completely without feeling. And Dr. King makes this point very well on this particular lecture. And the, as I say, the, the, the approach of the masters, these very spiritually evolved masters on Gotha, was that it would be wrong to, to kill or even confront this alien. It had as much right to be upon Gotha as they did. And um, anyway, Dr. King and the adepts received a probe from, from a master on that system of Gotha who, as, who had witnessed this whole alien mission as it unfolded on this earth because he wanted to bring the adepts to the system of Gotha to see what was actually taking place in that system because he did not necessarily agree. He was actually regarded as a rebel. He did not agree with the approach of the council upon the system of Gotha, one of harmlessness, if you like. Anyway, the adepts had a different view. And the response that the adepts gave, the opinion that the adepts gave, is, well... It may be all right for you to have this approach, but what about all of the other planetary systems in this galaxy? That if you allow them to get a foothold in us, in this galaxy, how they then will threaten life beyond your own solar system and other systems. And in point of fact, went on to say that the, the, however spiritual that approach was on Gotha, it was actually also something of a slightly selfish way of looking at it. And anyway, the, the, these advanced masters on, on 
the system of Gotha, accepted this view of the adepts. And they recognized that this alien android, which was intensely, as I say, intensely evil in, a, in ways we cannot comprehend, they accepted that it, all, it needed to be removed, sent out, driven out, if possible, from the system of Gotha and from this, from this galaxy. And to that extent, they enrolled the help of the adepts, and naturally they accepted that request. And they were successful in what is known as the Gotha mission that began in March of 1966 and lasted, I think, again about eight months. Uh, in fact, in, in that having been said, the, the alien mission here on this Earth ended in January, as I mentioned, January the 22nd, 1966. And the adepts were ordered literally off duty for several months to recuperate from the tremendous strain and exhaustion that they'd endured in the alien mission. But literally within a few weeks, March of that same year, they were called back into action. The master from Gotham came here physically to the uh, headquarters of the Ethereum Society here in Hollywood on February the 13th, 1966. And um, various things took place, which again are described on that tape by Dr. King. So the Gotham mission took place, and again it was successful. The Gotham mission itself, again, was obviously recorded with transmissions by the Master Ethereus, but has never yet been played to the membership of the Ethereum Society. It is going to be played for the first time ever later this year, in the fall of 2007, to member in initiates only, uh, I have to, to say that, and, and even not all member initiates. Only those who have otherwise heard the Alien Mission Seminar and another seminar we're about to go into called Operation Carmelite. Such is the uh, classified nature and the advanced nature of these transmissions. Anyway, the Gotham mission, as I say, was successful. And all of these advanced masters are fully conscious, naturally, of the law of karma. And this placed the system of Gotha in the debt, if you like, of the adepts. And to that extent, they offered their services to the adepts. And I guess to put it very simply, there was nothing that they could do for the adepts themselves. However, they could certainly help mankind where, of course, the adepts were engaged in helping humanity. And this leads on to how three Gotha masters, or initially two, later three Gotha masters, took up residence on this earth in the late 1960s to help in a mission, cosmic mission, that had Dr. King had devised called Operation Sunbeam, as a way in which mankind could give energy back to the Logos of this Earth who has sustained us for the past 18-plus million years. I think Operation Sunbeam 
is something that we will cover next week. But it is how the Gotha masters came to be here, at least three masters from the system of Gotha, and to be helping humanity at this time. Now that, as I say, leads into the next um, mission of the adepts as it relates to the history of mankind, which is Operation Carmelite. And on that, Chrissy, I'm going to hand it back to yourself. And this is the final mission that we're going to be talking about tonight. It was only seven months after the Gotha mission that Operation Carmelite started, and that was October the 26th, 1967. And you can imagine the tremendous strain, the grueling phases that these adepts had to undergo in the previous missions. And there they were seven months later. They had this really, really difficult mission that took place over 16 months, nonstop. Basically, Operation Carmelite was to transmute the evil entity known as Satan. Yes, Satan was real. And we can say now that Satan is dead, thanks to the adepts. This is quite a shocker. You know, what, what we're talking about here tonight is, is very profound truths. We, when we are young, we grow up and we're constantly bombarded by... Uh, our educational systems, the history books, the media, and we're led to believe that, you know, the important things in life are the Hollywood movie stars and the football stars and, you know, all these sort of basic things of life. But beneath, beyond all this, there is a truth, a true history, which is being created by ones far greater, far, far greater than us, humankind. And for the most part, we are pawns in the hands of sometimes these evil entities. Satan, this evil entity, not some old horned beast, but a very cunning, a very clever, extremely clever entity, which was in control of the lower astral realms. And also, if we think about it, a large portion of the physical realms. Every time there is a war, created on this realm, what happens? Energy is released. And where does that energy go? To the lower astral realms. And what does that do? It feeds the lower astral realms. It makes the people there stronger and more powerful. And they have, then they recruit more people to create more havoc on the physical realms. And so it goes on and on. But the good news is that we also have forces of light. And these are great beings who are very, very compassionate, as you've heard about the adepts. And it was just before this mission, it was known by the great ones that this was going to be a very, very difficult mission for the adepts. And the master Jesus himself was waiting and was watching. And he gave us a commandment. And he said prior to this mission that never should a day pass but what you bless these. You should devote your whole life in service to these. They were also given a time limit just to make it even more difficult. That By the laws of karma, it had to be completed by uh, March the 19th, 1969. And in fact, it was completed before then. 
February the 24th, 1969, but still this time limit created a tremendous pressure on these adepts. And again, the primary initiation of Earth shone the light, and Satan was clever enough, very, very clever entity this, clever enough to know what was going on and to know that he could lose power in the long run with this light being uh, released by the, the logos of Earth. And so what he did, he tried to bring all of the lower astral realms under his control. And from there, his aim was to take control of all life on Earth. So, the, you know, this, this was something that had to be stopped. And for us, tripping through our lives, completely unaware of what's really going on on this Earth, um, there's nothing we could have done. We're completely helpless. And thanks to these great ones, and this is why the Master Jesus says, you should devote your whole life in service to these. And he goes on to say, for by serving them, you serve all men. And even vastly more important than that, you serve the karmic gods. So this is, this is our true history here. So the six adepts went through this tremendous strain. Remember Dr. George King, every single phase, he had to go into somatic trance condition and went through tremendous, rigorous strain during this time also. Some of the phases were very, very long. And they would, had to defeat this evil entity who was able, and I'm, again, I'm not allowed to say too much about this, another classified mission, but I can say that he was able to split his consciousness into different parts and inhabit different parts at the same time. And even his closest associates were unaware of what he was doing. Because, of, the, of course, remember, in the lower astral realms, there's no such thing as loyalty. And uh, so it's one faction fighting against another. But, you know, he, he, he was a real entity. In some ways, you could say, and this is a controversial thought, far more real than us, certainly far more advanced in the black magical arts, uh, certainly uh, tremendous knowledge and power far beyond that of ordinary humans. So this mission, any phase, they could have been killed. Just because they were cosmic adepts, it did not mean that they would win. And this is a very important fact to remember here. In one phase, a center of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth was actually closed down. And this was an extremely uh, dangerous mission because the spiritual hierarchy of Earth made up of um, masters, adepts, and ascended masters, they're here to promote and preserve spirituality. They're here doing their silent work for us, for humankind, Every now and then, or they come and make themselves known. Um, the great masters, the master KH, the master M, uh, and the master Dualcool, the, the master, master Count Saint Germain, are known throughout history. But most of the time, they are performing their work silently on our behalf. And if a great white brotherhood spiritual hierarchy center is closed down, this is very serious news for mankind. Very serious news. And that happened. It was attacked. It was closed down. In the last phase, the adepts were helped by the Lord Babaji, who is uh, in charge of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And the Lord Babaji came into direct combat with this last aspect of Satan. 
And he did this so that he could manipulate karma on behalf of the spiritual hierarchy of earth. So this was a very uh, significant phase. So, at the end of this grueling mission, the adepts were once again ordered off duty by the great ones. And once again, I I did say this was the last mission we're going to cover, but I, I will add one more mission briefly, which was called the Aftermath of um, Operation Carmelite, which was, you can imagine, Satan was transmuted, and this left the lower astral realms still full of very evil people. And so all vying for power, all vying to take over, to take control, but left in a kind of a leaderless state. So the aftermath of Operation Carmelite, which the adepts took part in, was to keep the balance of power as long, and they, they... They did this as long as they remained on earth. And we know from our teachings that the adepts would not be replaced. So we can only imagine what is happening now. So we have Operation Carmelite followed by the aftermath of Operation Carmelite. Just even hearing about all these missions, one after the other, makes us feel weak, I think. But just try and put yourselves in the shoes of these highly sensitive compassionate masters and the great grueling task they had in front of them. So we're going to actually play now another transmission. An extract. An extract. Yes, from from the master Jesus, very short. Just before we do, you mentioned there quite rightly that they were acting, the adepts were acting under extreme limitation, which which is correct. Not their own limitation, but this was a result of the the limitation was imposed by the karma of humanity because it is ourselves, it is the human race which has fed the centers in in the lower astral realms. It's our karma. We We were karmically responsible. This is a fight which we should have taken ourselves, humanity, but we were not able at that time but the, the adepts had to therefore act under great karmic limitation because they were doing this on behalf of humanity when it was our mess, and karmically we were responsible to clear that up. Also, of course, following the initiation of Earth, with the Earth herself rising, there, we cannot have lower astral realms. This Earth will be too advanced for lower astral realms, so it's something that had to be cleaned up. And, you know, Chrissy mentioned war, which, of course, has been the, is, is the greatest tragedy, well, one of the greatest tragedies that we have on this earth. But uh, it's not just war that has fed these lower astral realms. The, the, look, at the, look at the terrible crime, the corruption, the greed, the drugs, all manner of lower energy vibrations that, that we have on this physical realm the terrible blights that we have on, this, on the physical realm of this earth, all as a direct result of the lower astral realms and vice versa, contributing to those lower astral realms. So those are just some of the other points. Operation Calmlight, the transmissions have been played, I think, three times. I think they were played twice in the 70s and again a few years ago. And again, very, very profound occult uh, teaching 
Uh, so is there anything else you have to say? Or no, I it? think we're All right, then Mark, if, if you could, this is just a short extract from the blessing Chrissing referred to, to the adepts given by the Master Jesus on September the 23rd, 1967. a spark from God through involution back to God you goeth yet you choose the pathway be it long and easy or short and hard. Blessed are the three adepts who stand between you and your spiritual defeat at this time. And as Chrissy mentioned, the Master Jesus gives a wonderful prayer, which we use in all of our services, a blessing and a prayer to the adepts the six adepts. Just before the Master Jesus spoke, Saint Gu Ling also gave a transmission. Saint Gu Ling is one of the uh, ascended masters, a uh, very uh, advanced master within the spiritual hierarchy of this earth. And I would just like to read a sh very short extract from what this uh, master had to say prior to the Master Jesus. He said, Be ye prepared, be ye prepared to work for right, for this is the hour, the hour of the prophecies, the hour of the turning point of evolution, or the hour of the defeat of all which is good and holy upon earth. This is the hour, the hour of light or darkness, the hour of truth or lies, the hour when the foundation stones can be laid for the new age, or never can it be built by man upon this planet. This is the crossroad of evolution. It is the beginning of greatness, or the beginning of darkness. It is the hour of light, or a more stifling blackness than you have ever known before. So that is the main subject of tonight's lecture. It's, uh, it's part of our history. It's, uh, as, as I said at the beginning, do hold an open mind to this. Uh, as St. Guling said, this is the hour of, pro of the prophecies. And 
many people on earth are speaking about prophecies, etc. That was the critical point. That was the crossroads for the human race, not the earth. For the earth, it was July the 8th, 1964. That was her critical moment. But for us, for humanity, it was Operation Carmelite. It was our critical moment. And I'd really just like to finish with a, another transmission extract by the Master Aetherius, given in the 19... 1960, I think, perhaps, and in which he said this. He said, if you go forward armed with the sword of real truth, not the truth you like to pick from truth, but the whole truth, whether you like it or not, armed with this weapon, whole worlds will tremble before you even though you may not be aware of the fact. If it comes to a battle between good and bad, good will always win. It always has, and it always will. Although bad is appearing to win, it is only because there is an allowance in the law made for this appearance. Meditate on these words for this appearance. The time has now come when terrestrial man must recognize the fact that he is beginning the journey back out of the coarse matter of materialism to the love which is God. How better can this be accomplished than by right teachings from religious leaders throughout the world? The new avatar has not yet come to earth, but will shortly do so. We'll teach these things. You can imagine the battle he will have when the time comes. Some of your followers, like the mental channel, Dr. King, who is tuning into my emanations, have been chosen to go forward to form an outpost so that the way may be prepared if you push your wedge of light into the darkness, it will prepare the way for that which is to come, rather like a snowplow going first and a big food lorry following along afterwards. You see, the food would never reach the people if the snowplow had not prepared the way. So it is with spiritual things. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any questions? I would like to know uh, if he does uh, know where Satan came from. Chrissy's our expert on Operation Carmelite. <laughs> where did Satan come from, Chrissy? That's well, the question. I imagine that Satan was came you know with that, along with us and was create has was created um, Maldek mm -hmm. Lemuria Atlantis and uh, has been he was able to stay on the lower astral realms and not be he was clever enough not to be reborn because this is what the black magicians don't want they don't want to be reborn because then they have to suffer all this limitation 
that their evil ways would demand of them. So the clever black magicians uh, avoid rebirth, which Satan had done for a long, long time, and growing in power and power and power, feeding on all the sort of evil and stimulating the evil on the physical plane and gaining power from that and recruiting people um, and so on. So he was able to stay there and gain power. So he was sort of part of humankind, as far as I'm, I'm aware. And, of course, when he was transmuted, his consciousness was split, and all those parts will eventually have to reincarnate through tremendous limitation. Yeah. And not on this earth. Not on this earth, yeah. As Dr. King said in that yeah. extract we heard from the Cosmic Plan, those not able to withstand the vibrations of this earth will be re- reborn upon another planet and go through the lessons in this whole process of karma and reincarnation of going back to God. But is also having to reborn again as well, so to have more souls under control? He didn't, Satan did not want to be, re, be reborn so that he had more control over other souls. Yes, I mean, Dr. King says that, um, you know, no dictator has been put there by chance. They were puppets of, and we don't need to mention their names here, but um, the great dictators, the military dictators, who've killed literally millions of people, have been puppets of these black magicians on the lower astral realms. So mankind at this time in our history really does have a choice that he, everybody has to make now, because these are crucial times, of whether to um, be a pawn of the dark forces or whether to join and become a worker for light and for peace. And that really is the choice now. And not a time to be sitting on the fence. No, absolutely not. But next week we'll get into some of the much more positive aspects of the work that the Aetherius Society is doing and has done since it was formed in 1955 that it is doing for the world and for humanity in extremely powerful ways in cooperation with masters from beyond this earth. But we have, we, we, we have to be involved. As it said in that first transmission from Join Your Ship, your, your karmic action now, is, is, your spiritual action, is of more value now than it ever has been. And particularly with satellite number three coming into orbit of Earth, now is the time, because these are such critical times prior to the coming of the next master. I mean, you can imagine after the master's next, has, next master has come how suddenly people say, oh, yes, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual, or whatever. I've lived, lived a good life uh, in terms of a charitable life. But, um, you know, have, have we? Have we? One cannot wait for the next master to sort of say, oh, you know, oh, yes, please count me in. Count yourself in now. Be of service now. This is the time, as is in that last transmission, help be the snowplow, preparing the wedge of light in the darkness of this world in preparation for the next master coming. Have the lower astral realms been on Earth since Lemuria? I mean, I don't know. I imagine so. I mean, the great ones did say that they, it was never part of the plan, and I'm paraphrasing, that mankind would sink so low. So it was never visualized that we'd actually have lower astral realms. But thinking of our history, it's, it's, pos- it's probable that they were, but I'm just speculating here. So the Adamic Network did not have that, and we human brought it to Earth. 
yes, it seems uh, logical. Did, yeah. did, did, yes, Adamic man would not have had lower astral realms. There are no. no lower astral realms on any of the other planets within this solar system. In fact, we probably had uh, um, w the lower astral realms were probably far more inhabited by mankind following the fall of Maldek than the higher realms. There probably were hardly anybody, if anybody. Adamic man would have been on the higher realms. We probably came through the lower astral realms, which had to, I won't say be created, but came out of potential into manifestation for humanity and um, because of our low vibra very low vibration. And gradually, you know, we climbed our way. Some, some climbed their way from the lower astral realms by karmic action on this physical plane to uh, begin inhabiting the higher realms. But where the, the real action can take place, of course, is this physical realm. The real service can take place. The real learning can take place. And it's a very strange realm, if you think about it, because we have here we have a mixture of people that might be from the lower astrals or the higher mental realms. And we're all mixed together and we're all learning and having opportunity. We really have a great opportunity on this physical realm now to really, really make spiritual progress. Thank you.